to go again. Woo, we're making it. That's what I like to hear. Man, it is an exciting night. I know y'all have been waiting for this for the past three weeks. Um, maybe not. I don't know. Maybe you're dreading it for the past three weeks. Either way, we're talking about dating tonight. Um, okay, not excited. All right. I just had to feel the room. I just had to see where we're at. Um, okay, we're good. We can move from there. Um, so we're, we've been in this series called The Pursuit, right? I don't know if I've explicitly stated why it's called The Pursuit. Um, so I feel like I should do that at least four weeks in. So um, the pursuit, right? If you haven't figured out by now, it's not necessarily this pursuit of a significant other. That's not the point, right? That's not the reason for the series. That's not the reason for our lives either. The pursuit has to deal with our pursuit of God and how we seek to pursue him in every stage of our relationship. Whether that means we're single, uh, whether that means we're just friends with people, whether that means we're seeking a relationship with God himself, no matter where we're at, we need to be pursuing him because he is the only one that can fulfill us. That's what we talked about week one, right? He is the one he, who is the source of love. He is the one who actually pursued us back in order that we could have a relationship with him. So we need to pursue God and find our fulfillment in God alone because he is the only one who can fulfill us. Week two, we talked about community. We talked about how we have this common spiritual mindset with friends, right? With people around us that love Christ, they're devoted to him, they're devoted to each other, but they're also devoted to the mission of God. So there we are. That's week two. Week three, man, we talked about the best one yet, right? Singleness. Okay, still not excited about any, I don't know where y'all are at. Y'all all married or something? Like, I'm just like too far behind y'all or something? Anyways, so singleness, man, it is such a cool thing that Paul addresses singleness and says it's a gift from God. And you'll say, man, I do not want that gift. Take it back, God. But like at the end of the day, it's a gift from God and we need to recognize it as such. We need to use singleness in our lives to pursue him, to pursue holiness, and use the opportunities we've been given with freedom to a degree to follow him more. And now we get to date. Man, dating's a really interesting one, right? Um, if you look through the Bible, the word dating is mentioned zero times. Oh, yeah, I bet you didn't expect that, did you? Um, but the issue is dating is a relatively new concept, maybe 200 years old. That's probably giving it too much age. I mean, realistically, the dating we know today really founds in the 1960s, um, which is a crazy time if you know anything about American history. Um, it's talking about the sexual revolution. Y'all wait? Yeah, right. <laughs> the sexual revolution is what drives what we do as dating today. Is there an issue there? Probably, right? Like anything that's founded in a sexual revolution, we need to probably double take, right? We need to be like, okay, are we doing what we're called to do? Or are we just doing what the world is doing? The issue, though, is that we have developed a mindset on dating that is completely centered around our preferences instead of the mission that God has given us. We have set our mindset on what we want in a person instead of how we can honor God through a relationship. And if you don't know anything about scripture, you know that we are called to honor God with our lives, right? Like if you ask anyone in any church anywhere, they can probably tell you we exist to glorify God. Therefore, our relationships exist to glorify God. So tonight, we're going to look at this topic and we're going to look at it very quickly. Um, so pay attention. 
I'm going to yell at you every now and then just to make sure you're awake. But we have a lot of room to cover here. We are going through three questions. They seem simple. They're deep. Um, we're not going to cover everything tonight. So if you have questions, uh, we're doing a panel in two weeks. Write them down somewhere. Uh, and then we will answer them then, hopefully. But we're answering three questions tonight. The first one is, why should we date? What is the purpose for why we should date, right? Like, if we don't know the purpose in dating, we're not going to do it well. If we don't know the purpose in anything, if we don't know the end goal of anything, we're going to stray away from it. So we need to know what the goal of dating is in the first place. The second thing we see is who should we date? Who is this person that is our soulmate? It's a bad thing, right, guys? Soulmate is actually a Greek mythology. It has that in it. So, like, you should probably stay away. Um, we don't really follow anything there. But anyways, we'll get there. Uh, thirdly, we're going to look at how we should date. So, if you're in the room and you're like, man, I'm single as a Pringle, as I said last week, that's okay. This message comes directly to you. If you're in the room and you're like, man, I'm engaged, about to get that second ring. Girls, it's one ring for guys. But this is for you. Because you're not done dating. And you'll never be fully done dating because you're going to honor God with the re your relationship for the rest of your life. So we should get started. Um, that's just our introduction. So why should we date? Um, the first and obvious reason, I'm not going to get too much into this, we should date for marriage. Okay? Y'all cool with me there? Um, so dating, you have two options, right? Y'all all know this. Y'all heard it a thousand times. You either marry the person or what? You break up with the person. There's no in between. There's no, like, we just hang out for a little bit, and then we're like, all right, see you later. Like, yeah, that's what happens, but you break their heart in the process. So, like, we need to make sure that we're dating for the right reasons to begin with. We need to understand that we're dating for marriage. Uh, we're not just dating to have fun. We're not just dating to fulfill our needs. We're not just dating to fulfill what we want. We're, we're dating for marriage. So there's some weight there. And we'll talk a little bit more about this weight next week when we talk about marriage. Um, but I'm just going to give you all kind of a short recap of a Christian worldview of marriage. Um, it's by a guy named Gary Thomas. He writes a lot of books. Most of them are pretty good. But he says marriage is a spiritual discipline designed to help you know God better, trust him more fully, and love him more dearly. Did anyone in the room think that's what marriage is? No, right? But the issue is we have removed marriage. Like, we are just so wrong about like, I wish we could get closer to what God calls for marriage because marriage in the biblical mindset is to honor him. It's to bring glory to him, to fulfill his mission more, not to fulfill our needs more, not to make us happy. If you look at Ephesians 5, which we'll look at more next week, like you recognize that marriage is a sanctification process. And if you know anything about sanctification, it hurts a little bit. If you know anything about sanctification, it's kind of hard. Because you're becoming more and more like Christ, which means you're dying more and more to yourself. Marriage is not the easiest thing in the world. It's very nice. We like it. It's a good thing. God likes it. He thinks it's a good thing. That's why he tells us to do it. But marriage is not founded in our wants and our needs. Marriage is founded in our relationship with God alone, in our pursuit of him. So that's the first thing. We should date for marriage. So we're going to look at a couple different texts tonight. And... Again, we're skimming the surface here. If you have more questions, please ask. Um, I don't think we actually brought the sheets over, but just let me know. Uh, so, secondly, we're going to be in Colossians 3 tonight. Um, if you want to flip there, go ahead and go there. Um, if you, again, this is not a passage about dating, but it's a passage about being a Christian so we can apply it 
to our dating relationships. Colossians 3, verse 12 through 17. Thanks for the help. Put on then, as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience, bearing with one another. And if one has a complaint against another, forgiving each other, as the Lord has forgiven you, so you also must forgive. And above all these, put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. And let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you are called in one body. And be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. And whatever you do, in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. I want to pray for you real quick. Dear Lord, thank you so much for this day. Thank you so much for the opportunity to study your word. Lord, I just ask that you would just remove any distractions we might have. Lord, that you would just give us energy to focus in on your word tonight. And Lord, that we would just be open to what you have to say to us. Lord, that we would leave this place changed and more like you than when we walked in. Lord, we love you and we praise you. It's your son's name we pray. Amen. So, in this passage, I'm just going to give the point and then I'm going to break it down. Uh, we should date to glorify God. Uh, so if you're writing notes, like you should, it's probably a good one to write notes in. But we should date to glorify God. If you read this passage, you're like, Chase, this has nothing to do with dating. And I would say, you're right. But it has everything to do with being a Christian. And that's our foundation, right? Right? That's week one, right? Like, our foundation is God himself and our relationship with him. So as we look through Colossians 3, and just to kind of give the context of it, Paul's writing to this church in Colossae. Um, who is not really firmly founded in Jesus. Um, they are firmly founded, and they're really, they're really new. So what Paul is trying to do is tell them how to live. Tell them how to follow Christ. We studied this last year, and we saw that over and over and over again, Paul is pointing them back to Christ because he is the center and the foundation of our faith. And he's saying, okay, now that you get that, in, verse, in chapters 1 and 2, we get to chapter 3. Chapter 3 is a challenge to change how they live. Verses 1 through 11 is, them, is Paul calling them to put off these old things, to put off our worldly desires, our earthly desires, and put on the new things of Christ, which is where we pick up in verse 12. We're to put on these things if we truly know Christ. So with that foundation laid, we see this foundational statement in verse 17 that we all know, we've all heard a thousand times, but it says, And whatever you do, in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus giving thanks to God the Father through him. This is the lens in which we should live. Everything we do, every word we say, should bring glory to Christ and glory to the Father. Therefore, our relationships with others, which are very important since Scripture is all about reconciled relationships, should be about bringing glory to God and glory to Christ. So if this is our foundation as a Christian, then it needs to be our foundation in dating as well. We don't just date because we want to. We don't just date because we feel lonely. Because if we're doing those things, we're going to fall in bad relationships. Because we're going to put our values and our wants and our desires on someone who is not nearly qualified to bear them. Because only Jesus Christ can bear our needs and our wants. Only Jesus Christ can provide for us and fulfill us. So if we're putting those things on other people, 
If we're putting those things on sinful, fallen people, we're going to be disappointed. We're going to be in and out of relationships left and right because we've forgotten what we're in a relationship for in the first place. We're in a relationship to marry them or break up with them. And we're in a relationship to glorify God. This is the hardest thing that I think we just remove from the picture. Um, there's a guy named Jonathan Grant. He writes a book called Divine Sex. Yeah, I said it. Uh, it's Divine Sex, right? It's this, it's this catchy title to get your attention. But as he goes through this book, he recognizes the need in the church today to truly understand what dating and relationships are all about. Because what we have done in modern culture and the modern church is we have gotten our knowledge of God from the church, but our knowledge of relationships from Hollywood. We have said, yes, Hollywood tells me to have sex with people all the time. That's what I should do. Hollywood tells me that they will complete me, as Jerry Maguire once said. That's not true. If we look and we understand scripture, we understand that we are here to glorify God, and he is the only one who can fulfill us. He is the only one that can fulfill us. So in our dating relationships, we should honor God. That is the foundation. The same guy who wrote Divine Sex, he says this about faithful relationships. This is really important. I think you need to hear this. He says, sustaining faithful relationships and encouraging the ability to live disciplined sexual lives may be one of the most influential missional tasks of the contemporary church as we witness the kingdom of God in the midst of a sexually confused and relationally fatalistic culture. Relationships all around us are falling apart we need to step up in the church and show them what Christian relationships should look like. And yeah, that means it's different. Yeah, that means we're to bait in purity. Yeah, that means we're to date for the mission of God and not for our own wants and desires. But guys, as Grant just says so eloquently, he said your dating relationships, your marriages, they could impact the kingdom of God greater than anything else. Because no one else is being faithful in their relationships. No one else is loving people the way that Christ loved the church. So when they start seeing that out of the church, they're going to start looking for us for the answer. And we have that answer in the gospel of Jesus Christ. Because he is our foundation. And bringing him glory is our foundation in dating. So, as we seek a spouse, as we seek someone to compliment us in this walk with God, we have to recognize that they are either going to bring us closer to God or bring us further away from God. And if our goal in a dating relationship is to glorify God, we should probably date people that point us closer to God, that bring us closer to him and his likeness and help us fulfill his mission more. I say this all the time. I don't know if I've said it to you all, but I say it all the time, right? Like if you enter into a relationship and it takes away from your mission, if it takes away from your ministry, you're probably not in a good relationship. Dating someone should not take away from your ministry. It should it increase it. It might change it. Don't get me wrong. It might change how your ministry looks, but it should never take away. So we have to see that in view of, of following scripture, of, of completely honor and glorifying God in everything we do. We have to honor and glorify God in our dating relationships. We have to make sure that our sole mission in life in relationships and out of relationships is the mission that God has given us and not our own wants and desires because Jesus tells us to kill those. Jesus tells us to leave those at the cross and follow him faithfully. So, that's why we should date. 
right? We should date to marry someone. That's the foundation. That doesn't necessarily mean that like everyone you date, you're going to marry. I hope that's probably not the case. Um, but if it is, that's okay. Like if we have the right mindset, we can run with it. I'm just kidding. Don't listen to anything I'm saying right now. Uh, but that should be the foundation, right? We shouldn't just date people to have fun. We shouldn't just date people to, I don't know, make out with them. I don't know what y'all do. We shouldn't just date people to do these things. We should date people to marry them. So if, there's not, if they're not somebody you want to marry, you shouldn't date them. Period. Right? Like if they're not someone you want to marry, you're just going to break their hearts or they're going to break yours. And that's not a place you want to be in the, in the kingdom of God. Secondly, we see that our mission in dating is to fulfill the mission that God has given us as individuals. So if we're not doing that in our dating relationships, we're not doing what God calls us to do in the first place. So we need to be careful that we are truly honoring God with our relationships and not honoring ourselves. So the second question we want to see is who should we date? I told someone we were going to look at this earlier, and they are like, please tell me. Like, 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 please tell me who we should date. And I was like, we'll get there. But, uh, man, who should we date? So anybody in the room, like, when they're in middle school, write, write out a list of characteristics of, like, the one. Yeah, I mean, don't lie to me. Come on, we're in church. <laughs> like, we've been there, right? Like, we look at these lists, and it's like, man, brown hair, blue eyes, 6'2", with a beard and glasses, and like, <laughs> I mean, that's the perfect guy, right? Uh, man, is so, I'm just kidding, but like, but like, he's superficial, right? Like, we have these lists of things that like, they're just preferences, right? Like, they, we want them to have this color of hair. What does that have to do with anything, right? Like, man, they change it. <laughs> like, guys, they change their color of hair, like, so be careful there. Um, <laughs> They could be a blonde the whole time you know them, but they could really be a brunette. So just, I'm saying, be careful. But guys, this is a terrible foundation for why we should date someone. If we just date someone because they have these certain superficial characteristics, then that's all we're going to get. And when those superficial characteristics fade, when they're not as hot as they once were, you're stuck with them now. So their character should be more foundational than their looks. Who they are in Jesus Christ should be more foundational than the color of their eyes. And so as we look at this passage of scripture, I want to just kind of put a few things in front of you. This isn't the whole list. Um, there is a lot more on it that I could talk about. Um, but this is the list that's given to us in this passage, so we're going to run with it. Um, so going back to verse 12 in Colossians 3, he says, Put on then, as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, Kindness, humility, meekness, and patience. Bearing with one another, and if one has a complaint against another, forgiving each other. As the Lord has forgiven you, so you must also forgive. It's a pretty good list. So Paul, again, to give us back to the context, he's calling these people who are newly founded in their faith to live as Christ lived. He's saying, put on these special characteristics that identify you as a Christian. So, if we should look at who we should date, we should probably start looking for characteristics that God calls us to live like instead of characteristics that the world tells us to look for. So the first thing we see here is holy. The people we should date should be holy. They should be set apart from the world. They should be set apart from the culture. They should be living a life that is outside of the worldly desires that people have called them to. They should be living a life that is holy where you can recognize that they're following Christ 
and not following their friends. The second thing we see in this list is that they're called to be beloved. Um, and if you know what this word means, this means that God loves them. But it also means they love God back. That means these people need to be Christians. They need to be people who love God back and are loved by him. These people need to be, as we see in 2 Corinthians, equally yoked with us. They need to be Christians if we're Christians. They need to have the same foundation as us. Because if they don't, how are we going to glorify God with someone who does not know him personally? They need to be beloved. The third thing we see is that they need to be compassionate. They should have compassion for fellow believers, but they should also have compassion for the lost. Just like Jesus had this gut-wrenching compassion for the lost sheep, we also need to have that gut-wrenching compassion. We need to be looking for that in a significant other. And guys, I'm going to pause this list just real quick. They don't have to be perfect. That's not what I'm saying here. When I give this list, I'm not saying they have to nail every one of these out of the park, but they need to be growing in these. Because growing in these means they are growing in the likeness of Christ, and we should all be growing in his likeness. Otherwise, we're growing away from it. Back to the list. Kind. They should be kind. Which this, this word kindness or, or kind is closely related to compassionate. Um, John MacArthur puts it this way. He says, the kind person is as concerned about his neighbor's good as his own. He cares just about, uh, excuse me, just, uh, I can't say that sentence. Uh, he cares just, what is, as much, have mercy, what's wrong with me? Just as much about his neighbors as he does himself. There's like my mouth's dry, I don't know, I just couldn't get those words out. He cares just as much, has, ah. he cares about his neighbor as much as he does himself, all right? Like, he loves them just as much as he loves himself. And that is important to recognize. Because people, if they are loving others more than they're loving themselves, that means they're going to love you in a relationship more than they're going to love themselves. And that is what you want. You want someone who is fulfilling Philippians 2-3, where they are putting others' interests above their own all of the time in a relationship because you're both selfish. And man, to have someone who serves you, which we'll talk about here in a second, so I'm getting ahead of myself a little bit. That is important. That is a driving factor. They do need to be kind. The next one is humble. This is the service one. They need to represent Jesus in their humility. They need to put others first. They need to serve their friends and their church faithfully. Guys, if they're not serving their church faithfully now, why do you think they're going to do it in 10 years from now? If they're not serving him and humbling themselves now, why do you think they're going to do it when you start dating them? You're not going to change them. And when you get married, it's just going to get worse. Man, well, we'll get there. That's a tangent. The next thing we see in the list is that they're to be meek um, or gentle um, is a kind of equivalent word. It depends on your version. You can probably see both. We know what meek and gentle means. The next one is patient. They're to be slow to anger. They do not get angry at others. They're understanding and have self-control. This one's important, guys. They need to be patient. They need to truly hear and live like Jesus did when Pharisees spit in his face and called him just all sorts of different things. They need to sit there and take it and listen. Because that's what we're called to do as Christians. The next word I have here is faithful. Um, this word's not in the text, but we see this idea of bearing with one another and enduring with one another. Um, and I think faithful sounds better than like those all of those words together. So faithful. 
They need to be loyal to you. No matter what you're going through, they need to be loyal to their friends and their family. They need to be loyal to their church. No matter what's happening in their life, they're prioritizing these things and they're sticking with it. They're holding fast to these things because that is who you want to marry, guys. Someone who holds fast to you no matter what happens. Right? That's the marriage vows in sickness and in health because sickness comes. And you want someone who's there for you. If I can just be openly, just like, just truthful with you right now, that is one of the main reasons I fell in love with Rachel Sanders. Because I knew, without a shadow of a doubt, she was the most loyal person I have ever met in my life. She is the most faithful person I have ever met in my life, and I knew that she was going to be there no matter what we went through. And to this point in my life, that is the truest thing I know. Because I'm a turd sometimes, but she is faithful and she's right next to me. And she continues to be faithful to the Lord and serve him. And that's what we need in a spouse. Someone who is faithful. And lastly, we see that they need to be forgiven. So as I said, like I'm, I probably shouldn't have said turd on stage, but you know what I mean. Like as I'm a bad person, as I'm selfish, I said it twice now. Uh, as I'm selfish and a bad person, right? Like I struggle with things. I struggle with being selfish. Like everyone does. If you don't get this understanding of forgiving, you're going to live in a bitter life. Like, the person you marry needs to be forgiving because you're going to mess up. I don't care how perfect you think you are. You're going to mess up, and you're going to want their forgiveness, and you're going to learn how to forgive them. So, guys, I give you this list, and you're like, man, that is an impossible list. If you're single right now, you should be striving to be this person. Because this person is a follower of Christ. There's no exception clause to this, right? He didn't say, like, the, the exceptional Christians need to be like this. No, he says every Christian needs to walk in this. Walk in these characteristics. We need to strive to look like this list that I've just listed. And, yeah, that's not the end of the list. There's more things that we need to look for in a spouse. But I think these are a good starting point. So instead of their hair or their eye color, we should probably see if they're more compassionate or if they love the lost. We probably need to look and see if they're humble and they're patient instead of how tall they are or how, how nice they are or what drive they might have. Because at the end of the day, character doesn't change, but looks and everything else you listed does. We need to find people that are pursuing God on a daily basis. We need to find people that are already doing these things. We need to find people that are already pursuing godliness, that are already serving the church faithfully, that are already witnessing to the lost and making disciples, because if they're not doing it now, what's going to make them start? A relationship? That's not how it works. You don't change in a relationship. You might superficially change, but that doesn't change who you are. And again, you don't have to be perfect in these areas. They don't have to be perfect in the areas because if you try to find someone who's perfect in these areas, you're finding Jesus Christ, which is a good person to find, um, but you're not finding a spouse. But they need to be growing in these areas. If I date this person, this is the question you need to ask yourself. If I date this person, will my walk with the Lord increase or decrease? That's the question you need to start asking instead of saying, man, I laugh a lot when I'm around them. Or Man, they're just really, really pretty. We are saying, man, am I going to follow Christ more because I'm with this person? 
Am I going to fulfill his mission better because I'm with this person? Because you're going to get that person for the rest of your life. And if you're not fulfilling the mission of God more with them, they're just going to pull you away from it. So much stuff. Lastly, how should we date? So we've seen who we should date. We've seen this real long list of characteristics that we should prioritize when we're looking for a spouse. But now how should we date? This is the question that I think you've been asking the whole time, um, and I just didn't want to answer it quite yet, right? Um, this is the question of, man, how far is too far, right? Uh, that's the worst question in history, by the way. Um, it is a terrible question. I'll tell you why here in a second. So based on the two things we've talked about right before this, we recognize that our purpose for dating is to find a spouse that helps us glorify God. We understand that who we should date should help us glorify God and become more and more like him. So the third question is, how should we date? We're going to change text if you're cool with that with me. Uh, we're going to go to 1 Corinthians 6, um, verse 12 through 20. All things are lawful for me, but not all things are helpful. All things are lawful for me, but I will not be dominated by anything. Food is meant for the stomach and the stomach for food. And God will destroy both one and the other. The body is not meant for sexual immorality, but for the Lord. And the Lord for the body. And God raised the Lord and will also raise us up by his power. Do you know that your bodies are members of Christ? Shall I then take the members of Christ and make them members of a prostitute? Never. Or do you not know that he who is joined to a prostitute becomes one body with her? For as it is written, the two will become one flesh. But he who is joined to the Lord becomes one spirit with him. Flee from sexual immorality. Every other sin a person commits is outside the body. But the sexually immoral person sins against his own body. Or do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit within you, whom you have from God? You are not your own, for you were bought with a price. So glorify God in your body. Guys, we should date in a couple different ways. This is not the only ways we should date. Um, there's going to be more to it, but this is what I'm going to say about it. We should date intentionally, right? We should date with the idea of marriage in mind and trying to find a person who will walk with us in this walk of life that brings honor and glory to God. That's the person we should date, so we should date intentionally seeking to find them asking questions that answer those things man i'm sorry rachel i'm going to call you out again but like on our second date the reason i knew i wanted to marry rachel i'm um, like it came a lot longer than after our second date but on our second date i asked her the question what she was passionate about it's a it's a simple question it's one of my favorite questions to ask people because as soon as you ask someone what they're passionate about their eyes light up as soon as you ask somebody what they're passionate about they start talking a lot because it's what they care about. And one of the things she listed in this was ministry to middle school girls. And man, <laughs> like I couldn't have been more just like, man, I really like you. Like, let's, let's go and do ministry and life together. Um, man, that's awesome. But that was her heart from the beginning. And in that date, I said, I could marry this person. Because they have the same mindset as me. They understand that ministry is important and something they're going to prioritize. 
and here we are today. Man, the Lord is good and bless me beyond belief. But we should date intentionally trying to figure out if we're going to align with them or not. The second thing, as we've seen in this passage, is that we should date in purity. We should date in purity. Guys, the Corinthians right here, um, if you know anything about the church in Corinth, they were terrible. Like, they just, like, did all sorts of weird and terrible things. They were sexually immoral all over the place. They worshipped idols. They did everything you just don't want to do as a follower of Christ. And Paul is just like, guys, y'all are just missing it. And one thing that the church at Corinth always said was this thing in quotes, right? It said, all things are lawful for me. They saw a relationship with Christ as a relationship to sin more. Which you see all throughout scripture that Paul's like, no, 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 no. You missed it there. A relationship with Christ is, is freedom to follow him more. So they were saying this phrase, all things are lawful for me in order to excuse their sin. All things are lawful for me so I can do whatever I want. But Paul, he, he adds a, a phrase here, right? He says, all things are lawful for me, but not all things are helpful. He says, all things are lawful for me, but I will not be dominated by anything. Guys, this is important. And to answer the question, so this, this question comes up all the time. Like, how far is too far in a relationship, right? It's the same answer to this question right here. Man, it's just, it's just such a bad question because you're trying to say, okay, how far can I go to sin? How close can I get to sinning? Guys, if that's the thought you're having, you're already sinning. We need to start asking a different question. We need to start asking the question, okay, it's lawful, we might be able to do it, but is it beneficial for me to do this? Is it helpful in our relationship to glorify God to do this? And the second part that he adds on here, the second clause, he says, you should not be dominated by anything. And this is where it gets very difficult in a relationship. Because sexual immorality is a very strong drive. And it dominates our thoughts. It dominates our actions. And if it's dominating us, then it's sinful. Because the only thing that should be first in our lives is God alone. Because as soon as we let things dominate us, they become idols in our life. They become we, we put before everything else. So we need to truly be careful here, guys. Our bodies should not be devoted to the sexual immoral act that Paul is talking about all throughout this passage. He said, no, your bodies is the Lord's. Even so much that it was bought, bought for a price. We need to recognize that we are temples of the Holy Spirit and that everything we do, the Spirit is with us. Everything we do, we're doing in the name of Christ. So the question probably starts looking a little differently if we have this mindset. We start asking the question, okay, is it wise for me to do this? Or does this glorify God in our relationship? Because if it doesn't, we shouldn't be doing it. If that's truly the foundation of our relationship, if that's truly the foundation of dating and our lives as followers of Christ, we shouldn't have an issue with that. We need to be careful. And he goes so far to say, you need to flee from sexual immorality. Guys, this is very strong language. He doesn't say leave it in the room. He says run away from it. He doesn't say just dance with it every now and then. He says run away. 
Because as we see, if we look back at Colossians 3, these things will put you to death if you don't put them to death first. We need to flee from sexual immorality. We need to treat our significant other, if you're in a relationship, like the brother and sister in Christ that they are. And when you start thinking like that, we might back up a little bit. We need to start thinking, okay, what do I want my future spouse to be doing right now? And if it's not what I'm doing, then I probably shouldn't be doing what I'm doing. This goes to everyone in the room. We need to flee sexual immorality because if we're in sexual immorality before we're in a relationship, we're going to be in it when we're in the relationship. We need to learn to depend on God and trust him and hold ourselves accountable with our friends and our brothers and sisters in Christ in order to defeat sexual immorality right now because it doesn't go away because your relationship status changed. It holds on to you because it's sin. And as Paul says here, it is not only a sin outside of the body, it's a sin within the body. It changes who you are. You become one with them. No matter if you're becoming one with your boyfriend or girlfriend or you're becoming one with a computer screen, you're becoming one and your life is being changed by it. We need to flee. We need to run away and we need to lay those things down now in order that we can date in purity. And lastly, we need to date on mission. And this does not mean that you missionally date. Uh, we need to date on mission. We need to date in a way that we're fulfilling the mission that God has given us, and that's to go there for and make disciples. If that is not the center of your relationship, you need to change some things. Because that should be the center of our lives as followers of Christ. We need to do all three of these things. We need to make sure that we're truly following God and honoring God with our whole lives, and including our relationships. So as we conclude, we just have to ask a few questions. Guys, are we honoring God in our relationships? No matter if you're single, no matter if you're dating, no matter if you're engaged, about to be married, are you honoring God in your relationships now? If you are dating, does God receive glory and honor because of your relationship? Let me make you sure you heard that. If you are dating, does God receive glory and honor because of your relationship, not in spite of it? And lastly, are you growing in godliness or further away from it? No matter where you're at in your life, you have to answer this question. Because you're either growing towards godliness or you're growing away from it. And we need to make sure that we are truly following him. Because no matter where you're at, if you were going to find a spouse right now or if you're about to be married, wherever you're at in your walk with the Lord, you should be pursuing him because that is our mission. It's not a pursuit of a female or a male. It's a pursuit of the God who created it all. It's the pursuit of God who has pursued us faithfully to come to this earth, live a life that was perfect, die on a cross in order that we could have a relationship with him. And he rose again three days later, claiming victory over sin and death, saying, all you have to do is believe in me. Because that's where our fulfillment comes from. No matter where you're at in a relationship, no matter if you're single, no matter if you're married, you have to find fulfillment in God. Otherwise, you're not going to be fulfilled. 
Dear Lord, we are so grateful for your word. We are so thankful that you challenge us and that you convict us. And Lord, even though we don't like to hear your word sometimes because we know that we have to change, uh, Lord, we pray that we would be faithful and obedient to what you're calling us to do. Lord, we pray that we would be faithful to hear your word and respond faithfully to it. And Lord, we pray most of all that we would honor you in all of our relationships. Lord, we love you so much. And it's your son's name I pray. Amen. So guys, if this is your first time, uh, I say this every week, but we enter into a time of reflection. Um, basically, we don't want to leave the word of God where it was, where it was given, right? We don't want to just hear the word of God and leave here unchanged because anytime the word of God is open, we have a response to it. So I have three questions up here and we're going to spend the next couple of minutes just praying through these three questions, praying in response to these three questions and how we can grow in our walk with him. So those three questions are going to be up on the screen during this time. They're going to play music for a little bit and they're going to play another song. If you want to pray through that whole thing, pray through that whole thing. If you want to stand and shout and praise God because of the victory you have in him, do so then as well. But guys, if you've never entered into a relationship with Jesus Christ, and you really want to do that today, I'll be in the back of the room right now, and I would love to talk to you about that. Because 